So we're, we're building a whole movement around this ethos of Firvana, which is fundamentally to help people develop a positive relationship to the experience of suffering and pain and fear so they can find, live, and love their worthy struggle. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Strategy Show. I'm your host, Simon Severino. This episode is brought to you by The Strategy Sprints. The Strategy Sprints does only one thing, strategy in sprints. Strategy means gaining market share and improving your monthly revenue month by month. In sprints means in fast execution sprints and in short project cycles that help your team stay motivated because they can celebrate progress every week and get energy from that to go into the next sprint. We want our community of entrepreneurs to get the best knowledge and the best tools from the best people who lead their field. So I am very, very honored to have again here Akshay Nanavati. Hi, Akshay. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me back. It's so great to have you here. Last week, we talked about the mental game and how to turn fear into opportunity and into blessing. Mm -hmm. This week, I want to dig deep into the entrepreneur, Akshay, because he's building an empire with his foundations, with his company, and he's doing so much good in the work. What's your journey, Akshay, as an entrepreneur? What do you want to share with us? Sure. You know, with my book, Fearvana, now, I'm building a whole brand around that. So what I currently do is I sell digital information products online on various concepts like mastering the mind. Mindset is a huge element of my work. Uh, I teach people how to get publicity as I was very blessed with some great publicity success for launching my book, you know, how I got on Fast Company Inc., how I connected with people like the Dalai Lama. So I teach people these digital courses, but really what I'm building now with Fearvana is kind of following Richard Branson. He's an entrepreneur I really admire. His model of how he built fear uh, virgin so building fearvana in multiple different verticals but unlike virgin i'm not looking to get into mobile or airline staying in the space of mastery over mind body spirit so we are creating a fearvana fitness fearvana festivals fearvana retreats fearvana foods we're launching a supplement line uh fearvana academy a training platform fearvana journeys fearvana adventures uh, Fearvana Fellowship. I have my own nonprofit called the Fearvana Foundation. We're launching a Fearvana clothing line. So we're, we're building a whole movement around this ethos of Fearvana, which is fundamentally to help people develop a positive relationship to the experience of suffering and pain and fear so they can find, live, and love their worthy struggle. That's what I call it. So that's the real ethos of the, what we're looking to do is to help people find, live, and love their worthy struggle, which is your path. You know, what is your path in life? It could be to build a business. It could be to play chess, it could be to play basketball, whatever it may be. I call that path your worthy struggle because it will be hard. <laughs> it will be a struggle, but that's that struggle worthy of who you are and who you want to be. So we are creating a whole ecosystem to help people do that. And then the foundation side on the nonprofit side, the Fearvana Foundation, we are helping those who don't have the freedom to choose their own path. People in situations that are extreme of uh, where they don't have the luxury to choose their own path. So people in uh, war zones, refugees, and people in extreme poverty, We've worked with former uh, with these young women who are victims of sex trafficking. And so the nonprofit vision is to help people get out of this suffering and then ultimately get to a place where they can then have the freedom to choose their own path and we can help them get, create that path. Beautiful mission. And you are working from home. So uh, for, for many, this is a new thing. How do you organize? Yeah. How many people do you have? How do you lead over distance? 
Yeah. So right now, uh, I mean, I've been used to working from home. Eventually, as I build this empire, you know, we'll have offices and stuff. But right now, I've been working from home. And when you do it, I mean, structure is re is is so important. You got to be relentless about how you implement your structure. So I'm a big systems thinker. Everything is systematized. I have checklists for my morning routine, checklists for my night routine. Every day you wake up at the same time, you do the exact same thing. So even my meals, I eat. I have the exact same breakfast every day, right? So I follow a morning routine, then I eat my breakfast. And then I go into work shifts. So I, what I do is I work in one hour shifts and then I take a 10 minute break. So you set a timer. I used to use it on my phone, but I'm always looking at process improvements. So now I don't keep my phone next to me because we all know how that tool can be a monster of a distraction, right? So I just bought like a little interval timer, you know, like a CrossFit interval timer, one hour on 10 minute break. And I work in these usually about two shifts. Then I do a training. I go for a run or workout. And sometimes I do a, a evening training as well. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I do two a days. Um, Monday, Monday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I do one a day, depending on the day, it's a different you know, fitness structure because uh, fitness is a big part of my life. And so I work in very, very structured formats and everything is systematized. So at the end of every night, I write down what are my top three to five tasks for the next day. And so when I'm working on these structured shifts, these one hour chunks, I know exactly what to do and I work on one thing at a time. And then in the morning, I review my uh, three to five things for the day. This is part of my morning routine. I can happy to share the whole thing if you want me to. But I re yeah, review it. Then I work in these structured chunks throughout the day. And then every night I debrief my day. And having that structure is so important. You wanna, the, the idea is you want to eliminate decisions as much as possible. So you're saving your cognitive, your physical, and your mental energy for the, for the fight, for the task at hand. And not for little things like, what breakfast should I eat today? That should be systematized. You don't have to think. Just, just do what you did every single day. And then that way you save your energy for, for, the, for the mission, for the work. This is beautiful. I have a very similar structure, except for the breakfast, but I have a very similar structure of first time today and how I review it. Absolutely. Love it. Yeah. And, and you are mentioning sports as a vehicle for the CEO to protect his energy and to drive forward. I, I cannot support this more. Like yeah. If, especially right now in the Corona crisis times, if I don't do at least sixty minutes of workout every day, I am half of the of the human being that I can be. Totally. <laughs> I'm so much worse of a father and of a husband to mm -hmm. I love. Yesterday I was not running, and in the evening I was so grumpy. So mm. it I cannot um, overstate what this means in order to protect your energy to protect your. Yes, your, your space and your capacity to tackle problems as an entrepreneur. How do you manage to grow a business, build an empire, but still to find the time every day to work out? Yeah, no, it's, it's hard. Far from easy, you know, <laughs> especially because I train. I'm an ultra runner, so I'm learning. Right now, I've lowered my mileage to about 50 to 60 miles a week because I can't manage it. Other, but sometimes I'm running 100 plus miles a week, you know, 160 kilometers. So it's hard plus to go to the gym. So one of the ways to do it, and this is really helpful for, I think, any entrepreneur, is every time you come up with the barrier, like, I can't do this, anytime you come up with a statement like it's either this or that, you turn it into an and question. So anytime you come up with a barrier, turn the barrier into a question. And this is a very powerful technique to solve problems. So for example, a barrier was, and I have this, there's no way I can be an entrepreneur and an ultra runner at the same time, like a really successful entrepreneur and an ultra runner at the same time. There's just no way. So when you say a barrier, it becomes a statement. A barrier becomes a wall, but a question becomes a door. 
it becomes a doorway to a new possibility. So you can ask yourself, how can I do both? What can I do? And so you always start asking these questions and you find answers. So for example, one of the things I do now is I communicate with my teams and with, uh, with clients, the clients who I work with on a personal level through WhatsApp voice notes. And I do that while I run. Other than podcast interviews, like this one where I'm sitting down talking to you, I schedule phone calls only when I run. So this way I can get my run in, I can get my miles in, I got my Bluetooth headset, and I'm also working, right? So people, I mean, people who are not used to it at first find it a little strange, but now everybody who knows me is like, oh yeah, that guy just runs. And for example, when I'm in India, where, when I go to meetings in India, I run to all my meetings because in India there's so much traffic that often it takes me just about the same time it would to run there as it would if I drive there. So I get my miles in and people, I mean, people at first are like a little weirded out because who's running to meetings, <laughs> but now it's also my unique thing that helps my business stand out. So in a way it's given me kind of this unique positioning as well, you know? So asking questions and turning barriers into questions is a great way uh, to find, uh, find your, find, turn, turn, like find answers to problems. Like I was working with one kid who said, I have no money for college. I have no money for college. So that was a barrier. So I said, what if we ask questions like, how do I make money? Are there scholarships? What scholarships are out there? How do I become worthy of being, uh, you know, earning a scholarship? Questions like that. And I mean, but you got to make time because it, like you said, I mean, neurologically exercise is the best thing you can do for your brain. One neuroscientist calls it miracle growth for the brain. So it improves your synaptic connections, your learning, and not just for your brain, for your mind, your spirit. I mean, exercise is by, by far the best thing that you can do for your life. And it doesn't have to be running for five hours. I'm not saying become an ultra runner. You can do 20 minute brutal sessions. Sometimes when I don't have a lot of time on the day, a lot of work, like today, I have a lot to accomplish today. So I can just do a 20 minute brutal session at the house, you know, just burpees and something. And, and you can still suffer. You can still go through the beauty of the exercise and not take a lot of time. There's a, unless it's like serious physical issues, there's absolutely no excuse why somebody should not be exercising. <laughs> I love your uh, running calls session. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing this since 10 years and I'm telling everybody to do it. And nobody believes me and they say it's not possible because I can't breathe what I run. People, there are different training zones. Yeah. What we are exactly. talking about right now is, in my case, it's the training zone one. So my triathlon trainer, and it's, it's, it's getting more and more polarized what people say yeah. to train. Most, um, I'm interested in your take. So my sure. trainer says it's getting more and more polarized. I should do 80% in zone one, which is in my case is um, seven hours, eight hours per week in just really slow. Really slow. Yep. Yep. It's 110 to 120 parts. You can easily talk. No, they they, they yep. even notice that you are running. For most people, it's like walking. And, um, and, and if you're in, it's really like walking. And then it's just 20% of your week where you should sprint, where you should really <laughs> max it out, do internal yeah. stuff, do, do CrossFit workout, etc., and really go the hard thing, but it's only 20%. And then you need recovery. But from the slow jog, you don't even need a recovery. You can do that every day for one hour, for two hours. It's fine. And you can, and you can, uh, you can call so you can cluster uh, exactly your calls and then if you use the GTD method you say at telephone and then you go out and you just call one after the other um, love it <laughs> yeah that's the same thing I train in zone two so it's a little but same thing keep it in keep it a slow zone so I can I do my phone calls and most of my training is lives in that zone so I totally resonate <laughs> 
You want to make your sales more repeatable and reliable? Do you want to have less volatility and more growth in your revenue per month? At Strategy Sprints, we do only one thing, strategy and sprints. Strategy means having more revenue through a better offer. And sprints means having more energy in your team every week. Check out if your ROI is as high as it is for most service-based and online businesses and startups we work with, which is over 100%. You can see it in just 15 minutes by going to strategysprints.com sales and completing our online exercise to know what your ROI would be with our accelerator program. We are ready to sprint. Are you? I even saw, I forgot his name, but he's such an inspiring person. He says he does three hours of me time every day, he's an entrepreneur. And he says he does three hours of me time every day. Mm-hmm. Is, is basically sports. So I managed after many years of building my company now to have one hour a day. And this took me very long. Mm-hmm. And especially then if you are in a relationship, yeah. To talk about it, what does it mean for us? Is it fair that yeah. my wife has the kids and I go running for one hour a day? Yeah. yeah. One hour a day, is that fair? And I had to, this is interesting because you said guilt feelings. Of course, I had guilt feelings while I was out there enjoying nature, enjoying my body. And, yeah. and then I knew, yes, and my wife has both kids. <laughs> so, and we have small kids. And, yeah. And of course, they want attention. <laughs> I, I had to work this through and say, okay, what's, what's my position here? Is this something which is just ego and just non-essential? Well, then stop it. Uh, it's not fair. But I was thinking, no, it's the opposite. I want this to be a value, not only for myself, but for everybody in my family. I want to be the role model for all the four of us that everybody can take one hour to do something that is just nurturing that is healing that is that is the right thing for them so i want to be a role model and from now on i will do it every day whatever it takes yeah rain whatever it is i just grow up for that. and uh, and the guilt feeling was gone of course you have to negotiate it and yeah 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 to keep doing it. Yeah. Uh, I love it. But then it was gone and now we all feel well uh, with it. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. No, that's amazing. <laughs> to your uh, building your empire, what is currently the part of how you are building products, building the company? What do you yeah. experience? A uh, big thing is, is always the a huge way that I approach this is always partnering with people who are smarter than you. Partner with people who are the best at what they do. I am really good at living the Fearvana message. I do crazy things like run ultras, go to ski cross, polar ice caps, climb mountains. I am the face of my brand. I love public speaking. I love doing these interviews. I, uh, not to sound arrogant, but I'm pretty good at it. So I can recognize my strengths and where I stand out. And I partner with other people in their strengths. So we're launching right now. We're in the process of launching a Fearvana clothing line. So I got a team who is a master at that. I have an artist who's actually my, he was my raft mate in Marine Corps Bootcamp, who is just a brilliant, brilliant artist. So he draws. So, uh, you know, that we're launching the clothing line. I have, we're launching the supplement line eventually in the next, by quarter three, we're going to start that process, probably go live by next year. 
um, launching the Fearvana supplement line. So that's going to be, and again, I have partners who are masters at what they do, formula, supplements, all organic, natural, all that good stuff, obviously, you know, top-notch quality. Uh, that's where we're launching. And then the big project is creating Fearvana Journeys. This is going to be a virtual tech, so I'm getting kind of into the tech startup space, creating a virtual platform to help people walk their own hero's journey, to live their path of Fearvana, that find, live, and love their worthy struggle, right? So creating a virtual platform that interacts with the world, real world. And so unlike a game, you know, like let's say you're playing a video game where it's just a character in the game, you are your own game and you're, you're and the success, the, the victory is your own life, like your own success. So I have a partner in game design and gamification who is just an absolutely brilliant man. So um, I'm, I'm looking to part, the one thing I'm, I'm good and I, I believe the essence of, and this is an entrepreneur lesson, and I learned this from my father, who was a, a great leader. He worked 27 years in 3M. So while not an entrepreneur, really led in corporate sector. And, you know, he always used to say one of the things of leadership is the ability to effectively articulate a compelling vision, to effectively articulate a compelling vision. And that's something, you know, I've also, I've had, I've had leadership experience in a different context. I was a non-commissioned officer in Iraq, in war zones, in the military. But to effectively articulate a compelling vision is something I've gotten pretty good at. So I'm good at enrolling people into the vision. And then we create partnerships and we, we, we so we, we create a vision that's greater than us. So people want to come on board. We, we enroll people, we excite people. And so I've been blessed with a lot of, like I have a mentor who, I mean, this guy's an absolute brilliant entrepreneur. He's built $250 million companies in Silicon Valley guy. And he's mentoring me for free. I mean, for free, you know, he's not charging me or anything. He just mentors me. And the wisdom I gain from him is pure gold. So why does he do that? Because I've enrolled him. He believes in me. He believes in the mission. He believes in what we're doing. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful to have people who are just way smarter than me and don't do uh, dumb things like running 80 miles around a 0.2 mile loop for 20 hours, you know, that I do. <laughs> and just brilliant people who partner with me to help create this, turn this vision into a reality. It find, live, and love your worthy struggle. Find, live, and love your worthy struggle. That's, our, that's what we're helping people do. What's the worthy struggle? Is it the one in which even if you fail, you enjoyed the journey or you had to do it? What's yeah. One? How do you pick your struggle? You know, there's, I mean, yeah, again, it could be chess, it could be basketball, it could be uh, uh, anything. It could be building a business, hosting a podcast. It's something, you know, some people know it at a young age. You know, you've heard those stories about the entrepreneur who started his first business when he was seven or that kind of thing, or, you know, the basketball player, like Tiger Woods knew he was born for golf. I mean, he was playing golf when he was two years old, right? So some people know at a young age. I do not. I was not one of those entrepreneurs who, you know, started business when I was seven. I, I only knew my path really two years ago. I didn't have clarity on the, on the point. So if you don't know it later on, that's okay. <laughs> you know, it'll come up. I'm 35 and I found out my path. Maybe I'd say about 33, I got very clear on who I wanted to be. But I have no regrets for the journey before that. I mean, the tremendous amount of life experience I've accumulated over the years have led me to who I am. So if you're young, like go out there and play. You know, the, the, there's kind of this, this, this dance of there's a paradox of choice today. So people have too many choices, so they don't know what to do. Now, I'm assuming it sounds like your audience, they, they know what their path is. They're already businesses. They're running a business. That might be their worthy struggle. But if you don't know, a great way to do is to look back from the future. So instead of working forwards from the present into the future, work backwards from the future into the present. So look at people, look at, start from the future and look at lifestyle. You know, don't look at jobs, look at lifestyle. Some people like to travel, some people don't, right? I mean, no, not a lot of people want to go skiing across ice caps the way I do, and that's cool. <laughs> so you look at elements of your lifestyle. What, what do you start with? What do you don't want? Because it's often easier for us to know what we don't want than what we do want. So what do we not want? 
and we start kind of listing. Go be strategic, right? Like systematize, be strategic, list out. I don't want this. What do you what do you actually want? And once you get a picture of a lifestyle, look for people who are living that lifestyle. Look for references. Our brain always operates on references. We operate based on comparing things to other things. And so we operate on references, so look for references who are people living that lifestyle, and then find out what jobs will get me there. So I could, for example, look at a lifestyle of an NBA athlete, like let's say Kobe Bryant, somebody I really, really admired, uh, and uh, I could look at his lifestyle and be like, okay, I like that lifestyle, but I'm, let's face it, I'm never going to be an NBA player. It's just not going to happen. It would be a stupid, it'd be a stupid waste of time for me to pursue that path. So I can say, okay, what is the lifestyle elements? What are other ways to get there? So you start getting clear. What are all the quote unquote jobs that could get me to that lifestyle? And then you figure out where, you know, which path will most resonate with you. So I always like to say it's not about which passion to follow. It's about which struggle are you willing to endure? Which struggle are you willing to endure? Whichever path you take, you could work a corporate job that you hate, start a business, start business A versus business B, whichever path you take, there will be a struggle. So the question is, which struggle are you willing to endure? Then you get clear on the struggle, you start that path, and then you commit to the struggle and you, you be obsessed, you commit to... I mean, until death, you know, <laughs> uh, so now like I have clarity on my path and this is, it's a struggle. It's not easy. There are days where like, I also hate that idea where some people say that, you know, if you love what you do every day, you, I mean, if you, if you love what you do, it'll never feel like work. I think that's garbage. I love what I do, but there are days where it absolutely feels like work <laughs> and that's okay though. I don't mind that, you know? I'm so curious how your take is on the current crisis. And you said most of our audience, they know their, their path and their struggle. Yes, they did until four weeks ago. Oh, no. okay. Now, everything is uncertain. The world is upside down. Nobody knows how it will recompose, how it will reshuffle and when. So many, many of our listeners right now are thinking, okay, what worked last month will not work next month. How much do I really have to change? How much do I now really need to digitize? How much do I really now need to systemize and structure? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How much do I really need to go out of the comfort zone and to really see what is needed right now by the people I serve? Mm -hmm. It might be something completely different. Now, if, if, if we think of your structure of the day, and uh, how you train and how you overcome uh, uncomfort, uncomfort and uncertainty every day. I guess that for you, it's different than for somebody uh, who, is, who is not overcoming that every day. Like uh, two weeks ago, I had a very, very deep discussion with my wife. What does this situation mean for hmm. our business, for our life, for our family? And uh, I slept very bad a couple of nights. Mm. But then I woke up and I said, well, this is what I trained for all the years. This Absolutely. is exactly yeah. the moment. And this is exactly why I did CrossFit. This is exactly why exactly. I run every day. This is exactly why I built a responsive and responsible company that can uh, overcome exactly this. So for years we have been preparing. And, uh, but, but how is your take on that? Where does the preparation for the crisis start? How can we deal with that? Yeah, you know, a, a big thing is because before this happened, our world felt like it was in control, right? We knew where the, it felt, we, we weren't thinking. I mean, I could go down my, I could go out of my house. I know what's gonna happen. I know the, 
the person in the next lane is not going to swerve into my car. Now, suddenly, we've been thrust into an environment without control. But there's something paradoxical and beautiful about it. What happens is, and this is why I climb mountains in the Himalayas and ski across ice caps. So, for example, when I was skiing across Greenland, we were dragged a 190-pound sled for 550 kilometers across the ice cap in minus 40 degrees. You know, we can't control this environment. There's a lot of, like, uncontrollables. But when a storm hit, a brutal storm would hit, what we did is we would set up our tent. And we obviously trained on how do you set up a tent in a way that could handle a storm. So because we were in a world without control, we are forced to exercise the muscle of control by setting up our tent the right way. In, in a world that we are controlled, like in this barring separate from coronavirus now, I, I didn't have to exercise the muscle of control because I was just going about my life on autopilot. The world is established, the structure, the safety, the control is set up for me. Now it's not. And so, what, so why many of us are suffering? Because we're not training it. So the beauty actually in it is that when the world is thrust outside of control, you are forced to exercise the muscle of control. Now, we're, a lot of us are not used to it, but exactly to your point, it's like this isn't time to practice exercising that muscle. It's the, all the things we were talking about you know, last week, the power of negative thinking. So looking at what could go wrong, what are all the situations. We, we, we have to do the best with our knowledge, right? So exercise the intel, gather the intel, what could go wrong, prepare for the worst case scenario, Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. So that's a little mantra that I always use in the military. Same thing. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. So prepare for the worst, hope for the best, and you're, and you're training for both accordingly, and you're exercising the muscle of control. Like, look, I might not know how the world's going to look like six months from now even, right? But okay, I can control what I do today. I can control what I do tomorrow. So in a way, there's actually a spiritual – I'm not, I'm not saying I wish this upon anybody. Obviously, I don't wish the coronavirus was there. It was, a lot of people are going through really hard times. But in a way, there's a spiritual presence that comes – from being forced to exercise the muscle of control. So that's kind of one thing just in terms of the mindset. And the other thing is, you know, the money's not going away. The money's just moving hands. I mean, now, like, companies like Zoom, right, virtual conferences are skyrocketing. Even if I look at restaurants, not there's restaurants who have struggled losing money, but then the restaurants who are now pivoting to, uh, um, to offering delivery are home. Some of them are just blowing up and crushing it. So first thing I'd also recommend you do is write down like, what is all your current beliefs about this? Remember, we don't engage with the world as it is. We engage with our lens of the world. So what is it? What do you believe? Maybe a lot of people believe, and I struggle with this when it first started because I've been good at training, but not as good in business. So, you know, oh man, how will the business survive? The money's, everything's going to collapse. Money's disappearing. Nobody has money and nobody's spending money. That's all just a belief. People are spending money. Money's just moving differently. It's just going into different hands. You know, like, like online gym retailers are crushing it right now because people are buying home equipment. You know what I mean? Home gym equipment. So things like that. You're looking for, okay, what are my current beliefs? Let me then look at new beliefs. So then you write down what are the new beliefs. Money's not going away. It's just moving hands. Okay, let me look at beliefs. There's problems. People are struggling with new problems. How can I serve? So you look for new ways to adapt and pivot. Like we've changed all our marketing messaging. I've seen, I've seen marketing messaging. People are right now in my industry, in the quote-unquote expert industry, right? Authors, speakers. People are offering, uh, I saw an ad for somebody saying how to get speaking gigs. That, that's tone deaf. You're not, nobody's speaking right now. No, there are no events happening. So don't do that. You know, find out the market and pivot. We took a week and we changed all our marketing messaging. We changed our ads. We changed our, uh, our funnels. We changed our email copy, but our marketing, our, our business is growing better than it was before this happened. <laughs> we are crushing it, getting monster sales because we're serving people. We're finding ways to address the problem of the market need and we're adapting adaptation. I mean, human beings are actually designed to adapt through stress. We just haven't practiced it because we've gotten comfortable in a civilized world where we're no longer living, you know, as, as hunter gatherers, but we are designed to adapt through stress. So look at the, look at the nature of the environment and adapt. 
you know, especially entrepreneurs, there's problems still out there. Tweak your, tweak your messaging. Don't appear tone deaf. And one, one final thing to add on that is I think what's really important right now is to be human. You know, people are struggling, whether we're alpha male entrepreneurs, sometimes entrepreneurs, we feel like I don't want to show my vulnerability. Be real. If you're going through struggles, be real with your audience. I share, I mean, you heard me on a podcast. I share very openly about the emotional, the spiritual struggles that I go through all the time from the past and now that builds connection because ultimately no matter who you are, what business you are, no matter how logical your business might be, we are human beings and human beings are emotional creatures. So if you connect with a person on an emotional level, people will resonate with you. People don't, don't treat them like, you know, acknowledge the struggles they are going through. Respect that. Like in space, share, be vulnerable about yourself, you know, and then ask yourself like, who do I want to be when this is over? How will I want my company to remember? Do things that go above and beyond. Like right now, I'm offering extra calls with, my, with, with, with people I work with. Ordinarily, for someone who buys a program, they don't necessarily do phone calls with me. But at this time, if I can do a phone call with somebody for half an hour, I do it, you know? So I'm going above and beyond. And, it's, and I'm not doing it to stand out or to get a testimony or anything like that. I'm doing it because I care, but it helps. And guess what? These people are now becoming raving fans, you know? So be human. That's really, really important. <laughs> This is beautiful. Actually, I'm so glad that you were here this week and I am even more glad that you will come back next week because next week we are going to talk the opposite of the self-help mantra of finding yourself. We, we will try to, de, to challenge that and say, stop finding yourself. And so I want to... I want to thank you so much for this episode and I'm thank so you. pumped that you will be back next week. Bye-bye, Akshay. Bye-bye, thank you. We all know that working in sprints is better, but how do we know what we should work on? You're in luck because we have a 15-minute exercise that will give you complete clarity on where to take your project next. Go to strategysprints.com sales to complete our short exercise and meet one-on-one -on -one with an expert sprint coach to identify your number one bottleneck. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed that episode of The Strategy Show. Make sure to like this video below and subscribe so that you can stay up to date with every episode of The Strategy Show. Get daily CEO tips from CEOs for CEOs.